Well, Talking Point continues with me, Jamil. Uh, just a reminder, you probably wondered what happened to Sheikh Riyad Fatar. Well, Sheikh did say and notify us that he won't be here this evening. Obviously, with the Muslim Judicial Council being out at the, the protest at Grand West. Um, Raisa, we were trying also this evening to bring you as much of the uh, speeches taking place there, but it was virtually impossible. Not impossible, but the sound quality wasn't that good. So what Raisa has been doing is recording a lot of interviews that she's having with with many of the speakers there, and we'll be flighting that to you in due course, inshallah. Now, Lubna Nadvi, an academic, Lubna, okay, <laughs> Lubna Nadvi, an academic, writer and activist, also a freelance journalist and advocate of human and women's rights, did a poster presentation on the role of boycott, divestment and sanctions campaign. Uh, in ending Israeli apartheid and the occupation of Palestine at the World Social Science Forum in Durban. News editor Tasneem Adams spoke to her about her presentation. Well, joining us now is UK ZN academic Lubna Nadvi, a very well-known pro-Palestine activist here in South Africa as well. And uh, she's going to be chatting to us about the role of BDS in ending Israeli apartheid. Lubna, assalamu alaikum and shukran so much for chatting to us. Hey, Walaikum Thank you very much for having me on your program. Now, the word BDS has become sort of a buzzword over the past year or so, in light of this call for South Africans to boycott certain Israeli products and certain retailers. Now, you did a presentation on the role of BDS in ending Israeli apartheid and the occupation of Palestine at the World Social Science Forum in Durban last week. Talk to us about your research. What was your argument last week? Well, basically, um, this was a global gathering of social scientists, and the theme was really about uh, looking at how to deal with inequality globally uh, and uh, poverty development and you know other similar issues. So basically, my presentation was a poster presentation focusing on looking at the issue of inequality within Palestinian society and of course the fact that that equality or rather inequality uh, stems from the imposition of an occupation by Israel and uh, what we would refer to as apartheid you know and so effectively the presentation um, you know looked at the various phases of um, how, you know, we have obviously uh, come to understand what is happening in Israel as apartheid, because we as South Africans went through apartheid, we know its characteristics, we understand how it is uh, implemented, and so effectively uh, we have established through the scholarship and the literature, and I quoted various um, scholars and academics, you know, from Yuri Davis to uh, ben White uh, to uh, our South African academics like Surya Dado and others who have done extensive research on this. So we've established that what is happening in Israel is apartheid and effectively that we have to have a process in place whereby we as civil society globally, but particularly in South Africa because we have been through that experience, understand that the only way really to bring down the institutional um, apartheid that exists in Israel is through a boycott program, uh, what we now call boycott sanctions and divestment or uh, you know BDS. So if effectively the argument is that we as um, consumers, as members of civil society and as you know citizens generally across the globe 
have that power to be able to boycott Israel. Uh, in fact, um, you know, we probably are more powerful than governments are in that regard. And effectively to ensure that uh, the financial systems and structural mechanisms that sustain that occupation of Palestine uh, by Israel and the imposition of apartheid can actually um, be uh, sort of, you know, minimized. In, in other words, the impact that the uh, imposition of apartheid um, has on uh, Palestine can actually be reduced uh, and, you know, effectively we can end this apartheid through um, withdrawing our support for Israel on multiple levels, be that political support, diplomatic support, and most importantly, economic support. There are other means like cultural, academic, and other boycotts. So effectively, the presentation focused on the necessity for ensuring that we engage in a BDS uh, program of action, the ways in which we can do it, and how we as South Africans have a certain leverage, perhaps, um, in in uh, terms of being able to effect and, you know, uh, implement that BDS program. Mm. Now, Lubna, there seems to be a difference of opinion on how Palestinians actually view this call for BDS. What have you found on, uh, you know, ordinary Palestinian sentiment? I mean, do they support uh, the global call for boycott, divestment and sanctions? Well, in 2005, it was actually Palestinian civil society that put out a call for a global BDS program. And so, um, you know, in 10 years, effectively, the BDS movement has grown, but it was initially a call uh, from the Palestinians themselves. And they uh, have asked the global community because they are very much limited in terms of what they can do at home both uh, in the West Bank and Gaza. Unfortunately, the Israelis have such a huge uh, control over all of their you know, daily activities from commerce to travel to just simply uh, getting married. You know? so, so basically, um, Palestinian civil society put out a call to the global community and to the global Palestine solidarity movement asking them to effectively boycott Israel um, in terms of the numerous you know, areas that, that I uh, mentioned earlier. So, of course, the Palestinians themselves have asked for it. Um, their own ability to actually, you know, uh, sustain a boycott in their own territories is difficult because Israel actually um, doesn't allow a lot of, you know, things to uh, get to uh, the West Bank and Gaza in terms of, you know, goods and, and services and so on. They impose their own uh, services on the local people. So, effectively, you know, the impact of BDS will be felt more globally uh, outside of Palestine. In other words, we, uh, in the rest of the world, where uh, there is an existing trade relationship or an existing political, diplomatic, economic, etc. relationship, uh, you know, have been asked to actually cut off all ties with Israel, thereby bringing about um, you know, a, a kind of discontinuation of that support mechanism for that occupation that's in place. Mm-hmm. So yes, the Palestinians themselves are very much uh, for the BDS. And uh, I mean, the debate continues in some quarters about whether it's effective and whether, you know, it should be happening. But virtually the entire 
Palestine Global uh, Solidarity Community has, you know, adopted BDS now. Mm. Now, if we turn to the local context, you know, at the moment here in Cape Town, we've got this uh, mass demonstration against Pharrell Williams, the U.S. musician who's uh, in collaboration with Woolworths, and of course, Woolworths being the target of uh, BDS in South Africa. Now, there's been a lot of criticism uh, about why Woolworths, uh, you know, has been singled out in this particular campaign. Then also, you know, some arguing that uh, Woolies appeals to a select elite and and not the masses. You know, not many people are able to afford Woolworths products and therefore the essential outcome of a consumer boycott will not be felt. What are your thoughts on the current uh, Woolworths boycott and how it's been carried out? I mean, do you think that it's being effective? Well, effectively, uh, you know, the Woolworths boycott is... um a uh, campaign that has been thoroughly researched by BDS. And what, um, you know, the uh, sort of reasons are for actually targeting Woolworths is because it uh, pictures itself as an ethical company. In other words, that it engages in ethical trade and ethical uh, business practices. Whereas, uh, you know, by buying from Israel, which is, of course, an apartheid state, it has violated its own ethics policies. So it becomes a target because it's lying to consumers, you know, effectively by saying that it is following an ethical um, uh, policy. So, you know, also in terms of the fact that it makes claims that uh, it uh, buys only, uh, you know, 1% or less than 1% of its products from Israel, the point is that it is, you know, buying uh, from this apartheid state at all, that it has trade relations with this country. And so the percentage that it purchases from Israel is is a non-issue. It's really about the fact that it insists on maintaining that trade relationship uh, while telling consumers that it has an ethical policy in place and violating it at the same time. So effectively, it is a legitimate uh, target or a, uh, you know, company that uh, we need to boycott. And effectively, most of us have adopted this boycott from August uh, last year. So the boycott has been going on for more than a year. And, uh, you know, people may argue, well, it's not really working because the masses don't buy from Woolworths. Well, actually, you know, in terms of research that's been done, uh, the fact that a boycott hasn't been, uh, has been in place for, um, you know, a year and, and some time, that, you know, the loss in terms of sales and revenue to Woolworths has been huge, you know. It, it's somewhere estimated somewhere between 8 uh, million rand upwards. So at the end of the day, there has been an outcome to that boycott. And what we're saying is just like during the South African um, apartheid period, um, you know, stores in Europe uh, and in Ireland in particular, which is where it sort of started, started boycotting uh, shops that kept products from apartheid South Africa uh, and started, you know, boycotting brands also. So we're saying that effectively we're taking on that same, um, you know, struggle by boycotting stores which are buying from this apartheid entity and and therefore they are a legitimate uh, target for for boycott and yes it has been successful and it will only grow from strength to strength in terms of the connection with Sal Williams basically he has been um, asked by Woolworths as a uh, musician to support uh, its um, campaign for raising funds for 
school children and education and so on. And we, you know, BDS has actually written to Farrell Williams and asked him to not support uh, Woolworths. Uh, and he has, you know, refused to listen. In other words, he's gone ahead and supported Woolworths. Hence, he, as a musician, has also become the subject of boycott and protest because, uh, you know, in the past several years, there have been many musicians that were invited, for example, to play and perform in Israel. And BDS globally has written to those musicians and said, look, if you play in Israel, you are supporting apartheid. And so those musicians and artists with a conscience, you know, pulled out of any commitments they had to playing in Israel. Mm. So effectively, this is, you know, a continuation of the cultural aspect of the boycott. And we're seeing the success. In, our, in fact, the, um, you know, uh, Western Cape High Court ruled uh, in favor of BDS, allowing 16,000 uh, protesters to gather outside the Cape Town venue where... Um, you know, Sarah Williams is meant to perform. Mm. So effectively, you know, we, we see that the, the constitution of South Africa is also supporting the right of people to gather and to protest, uh, you know, as, as is uh, their right to do. What do you make of the South African government's response uh, to uh, the pro-Palestine solidarity movement and their call for BDS? I mean, we, we've seen the ANC government standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people in terms of rhetoric and, and, and speaking very boldly. Uh, but when it comes to policy and economics, I mean, it's two very different uh, scenarios. Well, the ANC as a political party has said clearly that it supports uh, the Palestinian struggle and that it also supports the boycott of Israel. Um, but it also claims that as uh, part of a government, uh, it has to um, effectively continue with diplomatic uh, relations that um, exist between the government of South Africa and the government of uh, Israel. So effectively, the ruling party, the NC, has taken a clear political position but uh, it has continued to maintain in its role as, you know, um, government, part of government, diplomatic ties of Israel. And so for us, the civil society activists, we've said that, that that is actually not good enough, that the government of South Africa needs to cut off diplomatic ties with Israel. And, you know, it, it really is a contradiction to be the ruling party in a government with other parties and take a very clear policy position as a party but not be able to actually implement that um, you know as uh, being in power uh, in, in a government so we we are pushing and South African civil society and BDS uh, is pushing for the cutting off of diplomatic ties between the South African government and the Israeli government so that campaign continues, and I think it's a question of the uh, ANC having sufficient influence within Parliament and within, you know, the government structures to ensure that it is able to do that. Mm. Otherwise, it, it remains a contradiction, uh, effectively, mm. that it cannot actually uh, implement a party decision that it has taken. 
And finally, Lubna, just to end off now, if you look at, comparatively speaking, the BDS of uh, South Africa's apartheid um, and the BDS of now against uh, Israeli apartheid, would you say that the main uh, difference is perhaps the use of social media in today's age in, in sort of driving that message home and, and keeping up the momentum uh, within the public space? I mean, how do you view social media in terms of the scenario BDS? Well, social media is hugely helpful because it enables almost instantaneous and, you know, very quick um, sort of connections between people in different parts of the world. So absolutely, you know, as soon as you post something on Facebook or Twitter, it, you know, it's received immediately by people halfway around the world. So it's hugely helpful and uh, it is, uh, you know, mobilizing that activists are using. Certainly when the boycott um, started in... uh, say, the 60s or 70s, you know, in in the case of South African apartheid, uh, what we saw was that, you know, it was affected by virtue of on-the-ground mobilizing and people connecting using, say, you know, basic technology, but they were still able to mobilize sufficient people because they gathered uh, in public and marched and protested. So, you know, we still use that old way of doing it where we gather to you know in a crowd and protest uh, in public but the social media aspect of it enables us to send out pictures immediately to uh, you know get hundreds of thousands and millions of people to sign on to a campaign uh, very very quickly so it certainly helps uh, the struggle the the sad thing however is that uh, despite having access to all this technology the you know struggle of the Palestinians has been going on for 67 years plus, and so we have to harness political will uh, to get people to um, deliver on on the goals of the campaign, the BDS campaign, and uh, the the struggle for Palestinian freedom. Because um, if the political will is not there, then all the tools and all the social media sort of devices that one has at one's disposal. Um, are not of any use. So what we actually have to do is to get people, civil society, citizens across the world to buy onto the campaign politically. Um, It's a kind of ideological issue, but I think that 90% plus of the world's um, society community is, uh, you know, with the Palestinians. I would venture to say more than 90% actually, Mm. because um, it is a struggle that every human being can identify with. Uh, The political forces that support Israel now are on the decline. Uh, So I think we can win the battle, both with, you know, um, trying to increase this uh, effort uh, in terms of pushing politically, but also using those, you know, technological tools at our disposal. And I anticipate that we will be very successful um, in the very near future. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, all of the work that we put in together collectively as activists, as just members of the public, um, will will make a difference, uh, God willing. And on that note, I want to thank you so much, Lubna Nadvi, for chatting to us and giving us some insight onto uh, this very interesting topic. And uh, shukran so much. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you very much. Well, that was our news editor, Tasneem Adams, speaking to Lubna Nadvi, an academic writer and activist and also a freelance journalist and advocate of human and women's rights.